Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly. And I am your co-host, Austin. And before we dive into today's case, we're going to take care of a little business. We're going back to CrimeCon. Hell yes, podcast row, baby. We had such a blast at CrimeCon in Orlando. I truly did not want to leave. This year, it is in Nashville from May 31st to June 2nd. We are going to be on podcast row again, and we are so excited. So if you're going, please make sure you stop by our table and say hi. Um, I believe there's going to be a discount code. Um it's probably going to be Mom and Mystery. I haven't confirmed that yet, though. So if you're waiting to buy a ticket, keep waiting until I have that code for you. And I'll put it on our socials. Follow me on Instagram. That is where I will post it. And I will be signing autographs on day one. Yeah, Austin will be there, too. So anyway, we've also started <laughs> video recording our episodes. So if you want to watch the video version, they will be on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash mystery. Not only do you get exclusive access to the videos for a month before they hit our YouTube channel, you also get ad-free episodes. And I send out stickers every couple of months to slap on your Stanleys or your phone cases or your computers or wherever you choose to put your stickers. And other spicy, exclusive Kelly and Austin content. That's not true. Like episodes that aren't, yeah, we Patreon exclusive episodes every once in a while. Anyway, are you ready for today's episode? Talking to me? Yes. Born ready, baby. Okay. Today we are talking about Lauren Hugelmeyer. So Lauren Ashley Nicole Hugelmeyer was born on June 9th, 1988 in L.A. County, California, and she grew up with her parents, Dale and Lori, and her two sisters, Beth and Brianna. Lauren was extremely close and tight-knit with everyone in her family. They were also active in their church, Hope Lutheran Church, where Lauren eventually worked closely with the children's and youth ministries there. When her older sister, Beth, had kids, Lauren was so excited and proud to become an aunt. Her nephews, Bentley and Finn, held a huge spot in her heart. When Lauren was in middle school, she met a boy named Matthew Phelps, but when Lauren and her family moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, she lost touch with some of her friends, including Matthew. Lauren graduated from Swain County High School in 2007 and later went to Appalachian State University. Meanwhile, Matthew made friends with the wrong crowd while he was in high school, and he started acting out and getting into trouble. He and his friends would often use drugs and drink alcohol, sometimes abusing the cough syrup, coracidin, cough and cold medicine. Have you ever heard of this? I mean, I've heard of like people robo-tripping where they're taking robotussin or oh, codeine, or codeine sipping, like when rappers drink codeine. Is that what they mean when they're like sipping on some syrup? Yeah, scissor and scissor and it's syrup. cough syrup. Yeah. Okay. They're either robo-tripping or they're on codeine. Never done it. Okay. Um, so anyway, because of all the trouble he was getting into, he ended up being taken as taken in by his grandparents who wanted to set him straight. So they pulled him out of public school and they enrolled him into a private Christian academy in hopes that he would get back on track. All right. I'm just going to tell you my gut feeling. Take your kid and they move in with the grandparents and then they go and get forced into a private school. It just sounds like they're going to be over sheltered and it's going to be a problem. Interesting take. Well, thankfully, it appeared to work because... Oh, shit. Well, I spoke too soon. <laughs> his grades started improving, and he became reconnected to his faith. So when Lauren was in her mid-20s... Well, I was definitely wrong. You were wrong, just for a moment. I'll just shut up. Well, when Lauren was in her mid-20s, she got a friend request on Instagram from Matthew Phelps, and the two reconnected. 
As they chatted, they realized that they had a lot in common. They both loved Harry Potter and Star Wars, and they were both strong in their faith. But there was a problem. As their relationship grew stronger, they had to decide whether or not they wanted a long-distance relationship because Matthew was living in Kentucky while Lauren was in North Carolina. Well, as the old adage goes, distance makes the heart grow fonder. And in December of 2015, Matt proposed to Lauren and she said yes. With that, Matthew moved to Raleigh to be with Lauren. Lauren's family was happy for her. She had found the love of her life. She was so happy. But her dad, Dale, was just a little more skeptical. He was very protective over his girls, especially Lauren. And the two were very close. Something about Matt was just kind of off to Dale, but he couldn't put his finger on it. So he set his feelings aside and stayed civil with Matt. But one thing that surprised them all was when Matt admitted to Lauren's family that he'd already been married once before and divorced, despite only being in his 20s. Not that weird. I don't think that's that weird. Maybe because I was divorced in my 20s and I don't think I'm that weird. I mean, I'm kind of weird, but <laughs> we're all weird. That's a different story for another day, but um, I don't think that alone would make someone weird. I think what made it weird for them was that he admitted it during a game of like 20 questions or something. They were having a game night and it just kind of came out out of nowhere and it took them all by surprise because they had no idea. I don't know if Lauren was aware of it too. I would, I would think that she was. But her family had no idea. I don't, and meet the parents, Gaylord M. Fokker. He had to find out that Pam, she was engaged before he, him, and she had no idea. That's true. He had no idea. Mm. So Matt and Lauren had an engagement party. And what was supposed to be a fun and exciting celebration turned into some drama when Matt's mom showed up in a white dress. Matt was not very close with his mom. His parents split when he was little and his mom remarried multiple times and he never really developed a relationship with his dad and he didn't really connect with any of his stepdads either. But for whatever reason, despite Matthew and his mom not being close, Matthew's mom made it pretty clear that she did not care for Lauren. Would you be mad if somebody showed up in a white dress? You know, I would if it was our wedding, but engagement parties, I guess I don't really know what the decorum is for an engagement party. I mean, I can see why a bride might get upset by that, but I don't know that I would. And I guess it depends on the dress. I don't know. I think me and all the other guys listening wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. Well, I hear what you're saying. And Lauren was really upset and she went to Matt and was like, hey, this is a problem. You need to do something about this. And he kind of blew her off. So... I mean, I can see why a guy wouldn't see it that way, but if it's your your fiancé or wife that's upset by it, then you should try to understand. Yeah, now you're telling the line because it's like you don't want to make a big deal out of nothing, but if your significant other is upset, yeah, you should have their back. Yeah, exactly. So Matthew and Lauren were married in November of 2016, and shortly after the wedding, the newlyweds traveled to Kentucky to visit some of Matt's family. Matt's mom was planning on having a photo shoot while they were there, and she had a theme in mind for everyone to wear blue. So Lauren brought blue outfits for them, but when she arrived, she realized that the women were all wearing white and that only the men were wearing blue. So Lauren felt like his mom did this on purpose so that Matt could be in the photos and Lauren couldn't participate. But again, Matt dismissed her and said it was all just a misunderstanding. I think this is a red flag. If your husband doesn't stick up for you to his mom, 
it's a red flag. In order for a marriage to be healthy and sustainable, one thing you have to have are healthy boundaries with your respective families. And once you get married, your spouse is now your family and they should be priority over your parents, especially when your parents are doing things to hurt or disrespect your spouse. Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Oh, I agree completely with what you're saying. In terms of, I'm sure with where this episode goes, it's all going to like, yeah, I'm going to agree hundred percent. There's so much missing context, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't want to speak to this situation, but yes, in general of what you're saying, absolutely. And I think a lot of people get it twisted on, they get married and then they don't put their spouse first. Mm -hmm. And like, I know that like, even in the Bible, there's content around, Hey, you should become one with your spouse and whatnot. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think there are, of course, going to be like certain circumstances where maybe, you know, uh, context matters, but people are going to come up and quote the Bible at the end of the day, have your back, (laughs) your wife's back and shit and we'll keep going. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Okay. But the problems didn't stop there for Matthew and Lauren early on in the marriage. They began arguing a lot over finances, which is another red flag, not having clear communication, respect, and understanding regarding your finances can and likely will destroy your relationship. So Lauren was working two jobs, one as an auditor for quintiles, and then she was doing side gigs selling for MLMs like Jamberry and Sensi. So quintiles is the largest pharmaceutical outsourcing company in the U.S., and they're more popularly known for their clinical trials. I remember actually growing up because there was like a quintiles near where I lived, I think, and I would hear ads on the radio all the time for like sleep studies. Like if you are between these ages, come and, you know, you can earn $2,000 for one overnight stay for a sleep trial. And we're not responsible for if your left hand falls off. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Um, And then Jamberry, have you heard of Jamberry? Mm -mm. So Jamberry is a company that sold nail wraps in these like trendy designs. So they would be like these fingernail designs that are supposed to last as long as gel, but you would just do it at home by yourself. Um, And then of course, Scentsy, you've heard of Scentsy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the little wax melts that you burn and they're trendy little wax warmers. They're very popular. So while Lauren was working constantly, Matthew could not hold down a job for longer than a few months. So Matthew then decided he wanted to go back to school to become a pastor. He was also constantly spending their money. When the couple got married, Lauren had about $10,000 in savings, but he was able to dwindle the savings down to less than $1,000 in 10 months. Lauren was actually saving for them to take a trip to Disney because they were these huge Star Wars fans, but he was spending their savings on electronics at Best Buy and gaming equipment. He'd even go as far as to steal money straight out of, straight out of Lauren's purse. Furthermore, there were suspicions of cheating on both sides. So Matthew was very insecure for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons he said is because he alleged that his first marriage failed when his wife cheated on him while she was on a mission trip. There was a guy at their church that Lauren was friends with, but she stressed to Matthew that they were just friends and that she was committed to their marriage. But Lauren had her suspicions about Matt as well. The couple had a neighbor named Valerie whom Matt would often spend time with while she was working and he wasn't. And according to Lauren's sister, Beth, there was one night when Lauren was making dinner for her and Matt, and Matt said he was leaving to go hang out with Valerie. And then he texted Lauren saying, quote, just eat dinner without me. I'm having too much fun with Valerie. Whoa. All right. Ballsy. 
Bold move. So um, at that point, Lauren was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. And Lauren later learned that Matt's first marriage was to a girl named Brooke, and it was actually not a failure because of Brooke's infidelity, but rather because of Matt's. He cheated on Brooke multiple times, and she forgave him until she couldn't take it anymore. So when she got that text about him hanging out with Valerie, of course, it understandably deeply hurt Lauren. She was already on the verge of leaving. This just pushed her over the edge. She was ready to end her marriage just shy of their one-year anniversary. But before she got the chance to take those steps, a 911 call came in in the middle of the night on September 1st, 2017, that would change everything. At around 1 a.m., a 911 dispatcher received a call from Matthew, who sounded like he was pretending to act delirious. Now, I have not edited the following call, but it almost sounds like he's being played in slow motion. But I guess this is how he was actually talking. So I'll play that for you now. I had a dream. And then I turn on the lights and she's dead on the floor. How? 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 I have blood all over me and there's a bloody knife on the bed. And I think I did it. Okay. Give me her stay on the phone with me. I'm getting her ambulance, okay? I can't believe this. I can't believe this. When did you when did you wake up to find this? Well, I don't even know what time it is. Stay on the phone with me, sir. I just gotta ask you a few questions, okay? I'm getting some help to you. Are you with Are you with the patient now? Yeah, I can see you. Okay. All right. How old is the How old is the patient? How old's your She's 29. Okay. Is she Is she awake at all right now? What makes you think she's dead? Is she awake? She's not breathing. Okay. Oh my God. Okay, do you think she is beyond, beyond any help? I don't know. I don't, I'm too scared to get too close to her. Okay, just stay on the phone with me, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I'm so scared. All right, I've already sent the paramedics to help you, okay? I'm sending someone to assist you. Just please leave everything as you found it. Is there anything else we can do for you, sir? Where's, where's the knife right now? I saw the bed. I'm not next to it, so I'm not. I don't have a weapon on me or anything like that. Okay, so I understand that was probably hard to understand for a lot of people. So the gist of what he's saying is, quote, I had a dream and then I turned on the lights and she's dead on the floor. I have blood all over me and there's a bloody knife on the bed and I think I did it. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I don't even know what time it is. He says, yeah, I can see her. She's 29. She's not breathing. And then he says, oh, my God. And he kind of sounds like he's crying in the background. Strange. Very bizarre. He also... Eerie. Yeah. Like super eerie. It's just everything about that call is weird. Mm -hmm. I wonder why it sounds like that, but any 
any recording that I heard of it sounds like that. So I don't know if that's just genuinely what his voice sounded like or if it was altered in some way before it was released. But he also says, I took more medicine than I should have. I took coracidin cough and cold because I know it can make you feel good. And a lot of times I can't sleep at night, end quote. So when police arrived at the house in hopes of saving Lauren, she was found on their bedroom floor in the fetal position with clumps of hair in her hands. She was covered in blood, clearly badly injured, and when she was transported to the hospital, she was immediately pronounced dead. Back at the house, the scene was bizarre. Matthew, despite admitting stabbing his wife, barely had any blood on him at all, just a few drops on his shoes. The cough medicine was set out on the counter, almost as if he staged it there to make it look like he took it. And his demeanor came off as just kind of theatrical, like he was trying to be delirious and dazed. So during Lauren's autopsy, it was discovered that Lauren was stabbed a total of 123 times. Psycho. With 35 cuts and three stab stab wounds to her left arm, as well as 16 cuts and one stab wound to her right arm, it was clear that she was fighting back. When Matt was questioned about the attack, he stuck to his story of not remembering because he says he was in a drug-induced state, but he admitted that their relationship was turbulent. He told officers that Lauren had cheated on him and that, that that made him very paranoid about their relationship. But when Matt's ex-wife, Brooke, was brought in for an interview, she admitted that Matt was twisting the truth. She told a story that was eerily similar to Lauren's, that Matt was spending all of their money, that he created huge financial burdens for them, that he cheated on Brooke multiple times but told everyone else that she had, and also that he had a tendency to be controlling and abusive. Man, I got goosebumps because I'm thinking about how would she feel, like mm-hmm. knowing she dodged a bullet this crazy ass dude and has similar stories and everything like Mm -hmm. it could have been her yeah investigators collected a lot of evidence from the house sheets computers receipts phones and matt's personal journal in his journal he often wrote about his challenges with lauren and her family and how he felt like he didn't fit in on his computer he had been conducting searches on the effects of mixing alcohol with cough medicine and he would search things like quote how loopy does coracidin make you and quote have other people been high from coracidin investigators also found a secret instagram account that matthew owned but had been hiding the account was called marty underscore radical and it's a private account it's still up but obviously inactive And on this account, he posted often about his affinity towards the movie American Psycho. The profile picture to the account is actually the movie's main character, Patrick Bateman, covered in blood. He posted pictures of himself dressed as Patrick Bateman, and eerily, on the night Lauren was murdered, he posted the caption, everyone thinks I'm a serial killer, and the hashtag, found an angel to kill. Early into his questioning, Matt asked for a lawyer, so he was taken to the nearest hospital to have his blood drawn and tested for this apparent overdose of coracidin. The results showed that there was only a small amount in his system and not enough to be considered toxic. On October 5th of 2018, Matthew Phelps pleaded guilty to first-degree murder of his wife, Lauren, and this was actually a plea deal that he accepted in order to avoid the death penalty. 
he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. When he showed up to court, he was unrecognizable. He had let all of his hair grow out, including his mustache and his beard. He addressed the court saying, quote, I feel like a monster, part of the wretched, part of the darkness we don't speak of. This was a senseless, mindless act, and I regret every step that led me in that direction, end quote. At the sentencing, Lauren's family, friends, and fellow church members wore blue t-shirts with hashtag Lauren's light on the front and purple ribbons representing domestic violence awareness. They had their opportunity to speak out about the tragedy. Lauren's mom, Lori, spoke of Lauren's memory saying, quote, Lauren was beautiful inside and out. There are times I feel I won't survive it. The actions of Matthew James Phelps have forever changed me. This has broken me and my heart. End quote. Dale Hugemeyer, her dad, said that he is haunted by the thought that he couldn't protect his daughter, saying, quote, I think about it every day, what I did wrong, what I missed. Till this day, I just regret not knowing or keeping my eyes open and watching. I just took everything as is, end quote. And when he was asked about forgiving Matthew Phelps, he replied, no, never. I mean, I'll have it. I'll take him to my grave and I'll still hate him. Mm-hmm. That one is really heartbreaking to me too, because I I imagine the guilt that the parents feel, but I wish I could take that guilt from them because there's nothing that they could have. I mean, it's hard to see. There's no way they could have known this was what was going to happen. You know, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty, and yeah, maybe there were things they could have done, but there's no way they could have known that this was going to happen. And I think that's with every case. Mm -hmm. And that reminds me, that hardcore makes me think of the case. a girl in girl going to college and they were driving by and kind of spying on the house. So I think you're referring to Lauren McCluskey's case when she was abducted while she was on the phone with her parents. Yes. That's not the one that was on ESPN. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That one was really it heartbreaking. It just for some too. reason resembles that to me with the guilt of the parents and. Yeah. And just the like regret that they feel mm-hmm. and like wishing they could. You know, the thing is, is like, it's not their responsibility. It's obviously someone else's fault that this happened. But I can't imagine as a parent the, just the regret you'd feel that you mm-hmm. couldn't go back in time and just change at least one thing. Yeah, I can't imagine living with that. And I just, my heart really does go out to these parents because it's an unimaginable pain that I hope I never have to experience. And I just, I hate it for them too. Yeah. So. Hopefully they feel comfort somehow. It's, it's. We say this a lot, but these episodes desensitize everyone to this because it's just, oh, it happens all the time. It's kind of like flipping on the news and seeing, oh, there were three shootings and two people killed tonight, and it's just casual. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not casual, like acceptable, and it's so much evil, and it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's definitely – I get what you're saying, how yeah. things seem so common that you just don't ever – you don't ever think it's going to happen to you until it does, and then it just rocks your whole world. and. I think that's one of the things that makes me a little bit different than a lot of other podcasters. There are a lot of podcasters that have this same amount of compassion. So please don't misunderstand me. I just think that sometimes it does get a little bit desensitized. And there are still times I cry during episodes because it it just, the pain, I can't even imagine it for these families. And Mm -hmm. I just never want it to go, um, I, I just don't ever want it to get overlooked that I really do care about the people we talk about, mm-hmm. um, which is why I try so hard to talk about like their upbringing or their memory or, or whatever, you know? 
It goes for anything in life. I mean, not to get off track here, but being grateful that you're alive, that you wake up every day. You know, I mean, you there could be two wires that cross in your brain and you're done. I mean, that, and that sounds out. Your appendix could burst. That's something normal. It happens. You could choke to death. And you think, I'm not going to choke to death. People don't, nobody, nobody thinks they're going to choke to yeah, death. Nobody thinks they're going to drown. Nobody thinks they're going to be, drown. A, yeah. Nobody thinks they're going to be attacked by a stalker. Like it's just nuts. Yeah. And you can be dealt any cards and I don't know. Yeah. You just never know. Life is weird. Be grateful. For sure. Good job on this episode. Thank you very much. Mama. Mystery. Out. Bye.